Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. <clears throat> You're listening to the Sands Pants Network. Home of comedy, <laughs> culture, adventures, and ghosts. Hello and welcome to Scaredy Boys, a podcast where three cowardly friends discuss horror movies. I'm Damien. I'm Sean. I'm Tom. And for this episode, we watched The Devil's Backbone. The Devil's Backbone is a 2001 gothic horror film directed by Guillermo del Toro. Set in the last days of the Spanish Civil War, the film follows young Carlos who arrives at the Santa Lucia Orphanage, where he will make friends and enemies as he follows the quiet footsteps of a mysterious, ghostly presence eager for revenge. GDT. Weapon. Ah, we knew this, didn't we? We knew this already. This is <laughs> we, were the first, we were the first to say this. We were the first yeah, to yeah. say it. Look, we discovered him. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone's seen his films before. They're quite good. Yeah, I think he should win an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon. I think so too. I think so too. Nah, this is fantastic. Yeah. I genuinely loved this. Yeah. It's really it's really fucking good. And yeah. it's good to see early GDT. Yeah. And so many of like what what will evolve to make him awesome. Still quite accomplished already. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. um Navarro, the DOP on this. Fucking hell. Some of the shots are just so beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Yep. You could you could frame yeah. a lot of That's when you know, isn't it? Yeah. When you go, oh, geez, I'd hang that up. I'd hang yeah. that up. And now you're saying that inside your head probably fifty different times during yeah. this movie. Constantly. Yeah, yeah. It's just beautiful. Beautiful to look at. The design of it's great. And you know it will be because it's Del Toro. Mm. Yeah. The only thing that's happened over the course of his career is that like the budgets, I guess, have sort of gone up as he's yeah. developed more trust with uh, I don't know, studios or whatever, but fucking yeah. hell. Although that's weird. Considering that, like, this came after Blade 2. This did, did it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think. What year was this one? This was 2001. Oh, no, this is... I thought Blade... Hang on. I could be thinking of a different movie. Sorry, I'm just going to put my detective hat back. I can't remember. I know that Hellboy, I think, was around 2004. So, yeah, yeah maybe you're right, because Blade 2 was before yeah. that. So, it's all sort of in the same era. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you've got Blade 2, him basically been a hired gun for a studio and bringing his own creativity of and course, awesome creature yeah. designs to it and stuff. But this, where he's just like a master in control of basically every element, and it's just such a strong film. I love a GDT original. They've got such a personality and flavour to them. And I was thinking this when watching this one, and I, thinking back on his other ones that are just his work, they're often quite a contain, contained setting. Yeah. And it works really well. One, because he, like, think of something like um, Crimson Peak. Yes. You can have such a flavor to that setting, such yep. a style to that setting. Because you don't have to create a whole world, you're creating a snapshot of that world. And mm. through that, it, it feels like there's a whole world there. You know what I mean? Isn't it interesting that it's re- largely just one largish setting? Right. But the world building is just incredible anyway. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Like, because, fantastic. Yeah. Like, I mean, I like a contained setting anyway. I think for, especially for a movie that's, you know, one and a half to two hours, it just means you can, it's like a good short story. It gives you, 
it gives you the sense that there's a greater world to play, but we aren't. We're only the story only contains this little part of it. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, it means that he can have such an awesome style to it. Like if you think of yeah, Crimson Peak or yeah. um, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, both of those are so contained to this one tiny little setting, but they feel so rich. Yeah. Like again, like yeah. obviously part of his style is to have this level of detail to to certain, especially the fantasy elements, I guess where he's literally drawn them all by hand and then yeah. someone has gone off and made them reality. Yeah. It is the, it's the detail of the one setting where you peel back layers over the course of two yeah, hours. Yes, And it's such yeah. rich detail. In comparison, like a newer release, like a big Hollywood type thing, something like, let's say, Red Notice, mm. yeah. which is like a globe-trotting adventure where like a lot of it's just CGI backgrounds and there's no like soul in any of the locations right. that you go to. Yeah. This is know. the complete opposite. I was hoping that at some point in Devil's Backbone, I don't know, one of the characters was promoting their tequila. Oh, yeah. I think that <laughs> the other one was promoting their gin. Their gin, yeah. yeah. And um, I don't know, one of the characters was played by someone who just can't act at all. Yeah. Not, uh, none of that on display here because no. the, the casting is terrific. The yeah. acting is phenomenal, especially yeah. from the main kid. He's, he's yes. fucking great. Both those two main kids, Jamie and Carlos. Carlos, mm. yeah. They are fucking phenomenal actors, those two. So yeah. Carlos, right. GDT's used this kid a few times in his work since. Yeah. He came on to like audition as an extra. Great. And then he's like, no, nah, you're my lead. He's got a quality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something about it. Yeah, like he- we watched him. We were trying to figure out if he'd gone on to do like bigger things. Mm. And like he's gone on to act and stuff, but like no, I thought he he just looked familiar. Yeah. And so did the other kid. I looked at them both, and I'm kind of like, if you've been in like Hollywood American films right. and stuff like that, but yeah, they were just so good. Everything's so grounded. Yeah. Well, that's that's one thing that I think what I love about all of Del Toro's films, and I think in this because it is so paired back to like a singular location, mm. is that there's just all these incredible little like random details. So like, you know, when there's that whole thing of like when someone is telling you a story and it sounds impossible to be true, but there's just like a detail that's like, oh, well, why would you lie mm. about that random yeah, that yeah. random detail? So it's like, it's things like the woman having a prosthetic leg, yeah. the bomb just in the courtyard. The that bomb is fantastic. Just all these yeah. little, little, little details of just like, just that kid wearing dust goggles all the time. Right, yeah. right. Like just these tiny embellishments that it's like, that, that just feels like makes it feel more genuine. Yeah. Because it's just one little one off thing the the beautiful thing where the the doctor is constantly reciting poetry through the walls mm, to the mm. other woman yep. the, the the headmistress it's just it's just really nice the the kind of reality and genuineness that i think exists in, in all of his films they all have these weird little like well that has to be true because yeah, yeah. why would like the example i'm thinking of is shape of water and you have um just there's that scene where michael shannon just goes and buys a cadillac mm. Just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Or even just the thing of um, Rich Jenkins' character just having that fridge full of key lime pie. Right. Because he goes and buys a key lime pie. Yeah, yeah. Like, just all these little quirky things that just add an extra layer. They're all very human. They're all very human. Yeah. yeah. And so it makes the whole thing believable. I'm, I'm like, like, you're dealing with a weird, uh, with a ghost story, effectively. Yeah. And at no point does it feel ridiculous that this, this there would be a ghost here. Yeah. Or ghosts are real. Well, for like for those details, GDT, we know he makes these like quite full notebooks where he draws and writes and all this stuff. He also seems like the kind of guy who, if he's out in his normal life and he sees some little weird eccentricity or something odd that some person does, he would make a note of it and think, yeah. okay, I'm going to slip that in somehow yeah. or maybe elaborate on it. Which, like, I guess as writers, we should all be doing because it's those moments that are like, yeah, they're strange, but they're also aggressively human. Humans are strange. Like mm. there are, like, any time you go out and you know people watch, you're probably going to note a few little. Odd 
weird yeah. things like that. But that, the good thing with that too, if you're making the effort of noting something, mm. it's because it has your interest. Yeah. So you can always come back to that and read over it. And even if you don't understand the context of it, it's still kind of like, that's something interesting there. Yeah. Because yep. it's interesting to you. And then you can expand it from that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I reckon he's the best in the business. He's pretty fucking good. Mm. Yeah. I think I've, I've mentioned this every time we've done a Del Toro film. Fuck, I wish we got a Hobbit out of it. <laughs> yeah. Because it just would have felt real, I think. What did he do around that time, though, that we would have missed out well, on? Well, he ended up doing Pacific Rim, I think. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I, I personally think I'd rather see uh, him take on his own sort of high fantasy yeah, fairy tale story. Like, he kind of obviously has with Pan's Labyrinth. But, like, I think if he had done his own... Hobbit. I wonder how much it would have felt like Del Toro's Hobbit rather than Peter Jackson's kind of thing, or Peter Jackson's thing, or even just um, Tolkien's. Tolkien's thing. Yeah. Like where he's got so much style that would that overtake and and possibly jar with the original source material? Give me fucking Spanish dwarves, baby. It yeah. probably would. I think you're right. I think it would just overshadow it. Yeah, I much it- prefer. You look at his filmography, and all of his very best stuff is his original stuff. Yeah, yeah. true. That's not a knock on Hellboy. A lot of people love it. Yeah, it's cool. Visually, it's a way more interesting than a lot of superhero and comic books. And movies. I think it pairs well with his natural style anyway. Yeah. I don't know if Hobbit would have as naturally. Because Mike, uh, who writes Hobbit? Mignola, yeah. Like, he did the poster for, for this one, yeah. for Devil's Backbone. And it's a fucking amazing poster. Look it up if you haven't seen it. Mm. Um, and it just, I don't know, they, the two of them, you just think, yeah, they would naturally fit together. I think yeah. you're right. Because I think with The Hobbit, his version of it would have been a lot more sidetracked, I think. A lot mm. more like, oh, I'm going to go down that little rabbit hole. Because I think there might be an interesting creature down there. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, a Hobbit is relatively boring compared to the things that he can cook up. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I guess it's more, I just, I think I love watching his movies because it's so clear that he loves movies and, and oh, yes. oh yeah like again so devil's backbone is it's, it's such a simple basic story yeah like it's just kid comes to an orphanage there's a ghost in the orphanage mm. the kids are scared of the ghost and there's also what he loves to do there's mm. this co- there's this kind of fantasy interesting mystery happening at a kid level yeah and then at an adult level, there's the stress and tension of the the war happening people being killed they've got money for a court like just all these little like details on top of details on top of details. Yeah, it's it's fucking good film. Every now and again, mm. boys, this podcast gives us good things. Yeah, yeah not yeah. always. No, no, no. In fact, it's about probably twenty eighty percent time. Well, it's nice. Like obviously, we're into the year of fear now, and already we've uncovered a lot of gems. We've we've pushed ourselves to watch. M- Things that are scary that are haunted mansion, for example. (laughs) Haunted mansion, not top of the list. Scariest movie we've watched so far this year, (laughs) maybe ever, all time. Mm. So yeah, I like that. That challenging ourselves does reward also. And then yeah, like I was saying for this one, like so much of the tropes that are now part of Del Toro's canon, I guess, like having the monster that's not actually a monster because humans are the monster, the real monsters. Mm. And it's a trope that will work endlessly. Like I will never get sick of that storyline, especially if it's obviously done in unique and interesting ways. But the idea that the thing that should be eliciting fear is something you actually don't need to be afraid of. Uh, and but like it's every movie, it's every movie of his. Just, just, like, just, like, just saying that, I'm going back in my head. It's even movies that he produces, like Labyrinth. Um, Labyrinth. The orphanage. the orphanage is the same. Yeah, exactly. The awful right. thing isn't the kids; it's just reality. Like, mm. yeah, because this you've got it. It's it's the the ghost looks like it's the monster, but it's actually the the adult guy who yeah. Yeah. was there. I didn't think the ghost was ever going to be the. No, me neither. Me neither. It definitely looks monstrous. Oh, oh <laughs> terrifying to look at. It's but yeah, so you got that, and then in Crimson Peak, you think it's the ghost, but it's actually the sister. Correct. In so Shape of Water, you have a fish man, but it's actually Michael Shannon. Right. Pans, like it's Pans Labyrinth. Now yeah. that I'm saying it out loud, it's li- even in even Hellboy, you have a literal demon man. Yeah, yeah. But he is not the villain. No. no. 
it is an evil sorcerer. But <laughs> but again, the thing that is the most monstrous is never the yeah. monster sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, like he really sees beauty in in his monsters that he, you know, like obviously he's a yeah. big fan of monsters. And I think it's because, yeah, he finds either the humanity or the beauty in them. Yeah. And there's something very special about that. Mm. Actually, now that we're talking about it, you know what I'd love to see him do? I'd love to see him do a Frankenstein of some kind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, is like that- Gothic is obviously, and then you guys would have read recently his de- definition of Gothic. Yes, um, and, and noirs based on noir. And, film. Sorry, yeah. noir maybe is what I what I meant to say. Yeah, what did he say there? Uh, let me look it up because it's beautiful. So here it is. Here, so yeah, you're right. It was about noir, and he said, "What I understand to be noir is, is the real grittiness that comes out of American realism. Those films that channel the same spirit as George Bellows or Edward Hopper or Thomas Hart Benton. It's the poetry of disillusion or existentialism, the tragedy that emerges between the haves and the have-nots." Oh, just. Who, he loves stuff. Who can just rattle that off? Like, obviously, he's thought because he loves genre so it. much yeah. that any any of these genres or subgenres he's thought of, he's thought about to the degree of like, yeah, what makes them them? Not just the, not just the window dressing that we we think of. Like for noir, especially, you're like, okay, you've got like hardball detective, Venetian curtains, damsel in distress. Yeah. But no, he's looked beyond those. He goes, no, what's it really about? It's fucking the poetry of disillusion. Like, yeah. come on, mate. I, I think that's it. I think he understands genre completely. Like, the genres that he loves, yeah. he just understands completely. And I think occasionally what happens is he gets fucked over by marketing. Right, right. Like, when we watched Crimson Peak, to watch Crimson Peak and go, that movie is incredible. Mm. And we all loved it, but it was mar- it bombed because people were like, "Oh yeah, haunted house story." And yeah, no yeah. point is it that story. Even from the outset, that film is like that's not what this story is. Mm-hmm. And this film, you're like, this is a this is a ghost story, but it's kind of not. No, like the ghost is sort of, I guess, what the the sort of the haunting that is in these in the building is the gold stashed in the walls rather than the. Right. The specter of war and what, shit. Like, it even does that great thing where it's the sort of very Hill House thing. It starts with, what is a ghost? Yep. And it kind of gives a few different definitions of what a ghost could be. There's that beautiful line about it's an emotion trapped in amber. Like, it's an emotion stuck yeah. forever. Like, yeah. And it's that, for that, like, that's that's what um, the doctor is. He's he's a ghost before he's a ghost. Because yeah. he's in love with this woman who he never had. And never will have. And never will have. Mm. And he knows this. So he knows that, but he still, he can't do anything to change no, it. he's an emotion trapped in, that's it. It's an emotion trapped in time, I think. Mm. So that's what he is. Yeah. So, like, fuck boys. He's a fantastic character, too. He's mm. pretty much, I mean, everyone in the movie is. It's just, I actually, I'm really blown away. Haven't reviewed it yet. Mm-hmm. I think I would go four and a half. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. L- lot of he- like a lot of heroes in this movie, and I yeah, mean that yeah. in the sense of they're not big and bombastic. They're so grounded, and like you said, the kids they they give these really grounded performances. Where at no point are they like screaming or reacting in these big sort of ways you might expect from any horror actor, let alone child horror actors. Mm. But actually, they're just super grounded, yeah. and so because of that, they're heroic. They're like yeah. they're faced with this terribleness and they're they constantly stand up for it and like even carlos who comes in and he's he's the new kid he's you know obviously gets bullied immediately but he never backs down like even when uh the ghost knocks over the water and the kids wake up and say all right well you need to go to the kitchen fill the water he's like all right we'll do one each unless you're scared yeah i love like immediately even like on the out in the yard when he gets his comic book stolen yeah and the kid's pushing him, and he's just like, "No, nah, fuck it," and pushes yeah, him back. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I really like this kid straight away. Yeah. Yep. Even his confidence to track down the ghost, too, not to be scared, mm, of it, to mm. actively seek it out because he's like, "No, I, I want to talk to it. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what's wrong." He like they're like, "Oh, the bomb knows," so he goes and asks the like, yeah, yeah, everything about it that he's actively working, you know, to a goal and to an endpoint mm. constantly 
to become friends. He could easily walk away t- from from yeah. meeting, like from seeking that ghost out. Definitely. What I quite like is that he's been abandoned, mm. and for him, like it, they don't say it literally. It's it's quite subtle, but he's just like, well, I won't abandon. Uh, what's the name of the ghost? Santi. Sant- I won't abandon him. I'm going to find out what happened. Yeah. But, but even then, also, he's like, no, I'm going to make these kids who are my enemies my friends. Yeah. And mm. by the end, him and Jamie are friends. Yeah. It's even like after they have these sort of like these moments where they're kind of a bonding, and even again later on when he's when they the guy's drawing the bully mammoth, and he's like, oh right your stories and the guy's like fuck off yeah yeah but he's not deterred like he just keeps yeah he's uh yeah i don't i like him a lot yeah yeah this this movie's good Mm. and then well on the so jamie being the bully so there's jacinto who's our main villain yep who basically is kind of a Jamie. He was, was it the most sad orphan? The loneliest orphan. The that, loneliest yeah. orphan who's now grown up and still works at the orphanage. Yeah. And so Del Toro, he had all the good guys in the film have their initials C. So we've got Carlos, we've got- uh, The doctor. The doctor, Dr. Casasis, And then Carmen is the headmistress. And then Conchita is the woman. The woman, yep, yeah. Yep, yep. And then he had- the villains have J names. We've got uh, Jacinto and Jamie. But he wanted to show that obviously there is a similarity between the two, but Jamie is a bully that chooses to change unlike his grown-up counterpart. Yeah. 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 Which is just, that's beautiful. Like, you know, given the right conditions, even a bully can come good. You know, yeah. I like that. And that's, fuck. Movies good, boys. <laughs> just This just in. How good are movies? <laughs> but he wouldn't have changed if Carlos didn't come into the frame. That's yeah. it. I think so yeah. too. Yeah, I agree. And so for Del Toro, another thing that I read was that basically he was, this is the script he was writing in college when he was in college. He's obviously like all of us have the script we were writing in college. This was his <laughs> yeah. one. And it sounds like it went through a range of different iterations with like literally completely different ghosts and villains and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Like an old man with needles at one point. Uh, the ghost was just a person who was read from top to toe sort of thing. And like all these wonderful descriptions. Um, and I think it shows, like I said, it's, it's a very contained story in its location. And it comes across as a quite a simplistic story. But then, yeah, there are these sort of layers behind it. Like even just having the bomb in the courtyard, um, having, you know, for uh, Jacinto's character, he's got this history that sort of gets revealed over the course of it. Even just for like Carlos, who's gets dropped off there, not by his dad. And it's not his dad who then later gets killed. His dad's already dead, but no one's told him his dad's dead. In fact, this is just another friend of his dad who's still part of the war. Like there's a richness to it. Again, it starts off such a simple snapshot of this little section of life for this orphanage. But then, yeah, there's all these threads working backwards. And part of me wonders, is it because it's gone through lots of drafts for this this script? Because he's been writing it for 14 years or whatever by the time he finally gets to make it. Didn't we find that when we did Crimson Peak that had gone through a ton of rewrites as well? I believe so, yeah. So this, I mean, that's just the key to it, really. Keep working on the idea. Yeah. Like there's a lot of, maybe this is where some of his more Hollywood stuff falls down a little bit is because it's always like release schedule before. Right. Often before there is a script and stuff like that. And he doesn't have the time to add in the details that make his work so great. Because I think a lot of the time a studio will be like, no, no, it's fine. It's all good. We're ready to go. Get it out there. Yeah. What's Taika Waititi's similar and then I, I, he was doing a talk once that I was listening to, and he was saying that- um, Is this the thing where he'll write it and then get rid of it? Yep, and then write and it again write from again. memory. Yeah. But also, he'll often write something and then just put it away for five to ten years. Oh, that's yeah. so huge. Like, he was saying for Jojo Rabbit, he started it in like 2008. Yeah. And then it didn't come out to like 2019, 2018. Yeah, right. And then someone was asking, well, if that's how you do your process, how do you do something like a Thor? Mm. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's completely different. Right. Because you have yeah. to do it. Within a time frame. I, yeah. I think it's so important to go through like a, a massive process with it. I remember Sam Mendes talking about when he was offered James Bond mm-hmm. and they basically presented it to him and the, the pitch document they gave him to try and get him on board 
already had the release date of the movie. And it was like the end of the following year. And he was just like, Jesus Christ, we don't even have a script or anything. Right, what the hell? right. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because it's like you look back at that golden age of Hollywood when like mm. MGM and all those studios are like the big studios and they'd loan stars to one another. And yeah, you're like, God, yeah. that's never going to happen. But that's literally what we're in now. Yeah, like, yeah. You've got these huge studios who don't loan actors necessarily, but mm. loan like IP. And then it's the studios v sort of like smaller project. It's just such a weird thing that we've came out of that. Mm-hmm. Had a wave of sort of independent film, and now we're going back into that. Well, like, well, on that same note, so like, obviously, you look at the biggest filmmaker at the moment, Marvel. Yep. So they actually kind of do something interesting. They'll hire these great writers to say, "What what superhero would you want to write for? Oh, I want to write Black Panther. Great, you write a Black Panther script." It might not be in the in the like phase whatever yet, but basically, like they te- they write a script that's really good, and then when they go, oh, okay, we know how we want to like we will know what our next phase is want is going to be. We want to bring in Black Panther. We'll make a few tweaks so it fits in, but like they've already had the time to write their version of that story. And so it's not as rushed as the James Bond example you just gave. Like it's already been, someone's already had the time to put creativity and heart and thought into it. And then now when we've got a schedule, okay, we've still got to make changes, but the good story that existed within it is still there. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like again, looking at Del Toro, who obviously takes time with, with his personal scripts, Ultimately, that's what they need. These they need the time to become something really great. Yeah, and I think very smart by Marvel to do that. To realize, well, we got to get good writers in. We don't want to tell them what to do. We want them to have yeah. some authority over it. And so, give them the time to do that. And then later, go cool. We've now just got a slew of great scripts. We get to make at some yeah. point. Yeah, man. The idea, man, like because I know men just. I'm still stuck on that Mendes thing. I know <laughs> how much he loved James Bond and wanted to do one. Yeah. Then he's like, finally, I got my dream. And then it was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's baffling, really. Yeah. But that's just how a lot of that system works, I guess. Yep. Yeah. All right. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's the devil's backbone. Were we scared? 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, like we said, the design of the ghost alone is enough to make me scared. I like the so. Just to give you a quick description, there's like a little boy with a bowl cut um, who's obviously looking very ghostly. He's got like a, a white porcelain face that even like looks cracked like porcelain. These black broken his eyes. bones occasionally fade through under his yeah, skin. Yeah, and then like bones and muscle kind of show through in this in this horrific way. And then the, the sort of real key feature is the most cracked bit of porcelain on his head is where his head got bashed in and there's just this flowing stream of blood like he's underwater constantly rising from it. Yeah. And so, like, that's it's such a beautiful and awful uh, ghost. And, like, we've seen this partially before with Crimson Peak, I think it was. Yeah, I think there's a yep. similar sort similar of effect sort of thing. with the rising blood. Yeah, but yeah. why wouldn't you when it's so effective? Mm. It's really well designed. And mm. I hate it. I don't know if I'll be out, look, jumping ahead a bit. I don't know if I'd be a help Santi because I would have set him on fire. <laughs> well, like, even once we knew Santi, like, from the pretty early on, we're like, I think Santi's not actually as evil as he. Like, is he, Santi literally talks about you're all going to die. And it sounds like he's going to be the one doing the killings. But we've watched enough Del Toro to go, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe yeah. there's a layer behind this, which sure enough there is. Yeah. Even after we know Santi's good boy, 
He's still terrifying to look at. Yeah, I still time. don't enjoy looking at him. No. I don't want him on the screen. No, not at all. God no. <laughs> just even that bit at the end when he smothers the guy in the in the pool. pool oh, with him. Just, that's he horrific. comes in and just hugs him to it. Like just no, no, <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, because that's that's the other thing is it's like that's really spooky. And as Del Toro loves, it is also this movie is fucking violent as yes. Yeah. There is that that final confrontation where the kids all tool up to take down. Oh, 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 oh but yeah. just <laughs> we all the love detail them. of them sticking full. <laughs> Spiked sticks yeah. into his arm, yeah. into his armpit, and he's like snapping it off, and put, like it's just. And it's again, not they're good. like, it's. I lo- this is where I love like the human element of it. Like they're not like screaming and hollering and like fuck you, dude. They're doing like they're very cack. Like they're still aware that he's a he's a prey and they're trying to take him he's down. Dangerous, yeah. And yeah, like the like almost it looks like a lack of emotion that they're doing with makes it so much more terrible. Fuck, but- I'm so dumb. What. That scene, mm. they're talking earlier when they're in class about how the tribes have to work together to take, take down, down the mammoth. Take down the mammoth, yes. Yeah. yes. To, this is back in a time when you couldn't do it. You had to work together. Yeah, yeah. that's And that's great. what they do. That's they brilliant. flank him. Fuck. It's really good. It's very good. Wham! Just like on the graphic <laughs> violence, you know, the doctor stands up after the explosion yeah. and then just like blood starts coming out of his ear. Yes. Watching that is just... Fucking unpleasant. Right, like and some many- p- pulling glass that's stuck in people. Yeah, and- that's it. And like, how many explosions have we seen where like there's a big explosion, someone sort of gets blown away from it. And they it. just dust it off. And they dust it off. Yeah. He does not hold back on this. No. He's like, no, no, no. This is like, yeah, half of their face is like bruised and broken and terrible. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes you would think Del Toro and you'd be like, oh, he, fan- he does fantasy stuff. Yeah. But it's so fucking realistic and grounded yes. yep. that it hurts. Yep. It really hurts. Yeah. And again, that, that thing of like all these big hero moments, but that explosion kills the doctor mm. later. Mm. Like yeah, he yeah. dies from his injuries. Yeah. But he's like, it doesn't like he, he kind of was like, oh, I survived that explosion. Some of the kids do, but it's because they're yeah. in safer positions. Right. Because they've been protected, they've been sheltered. But then there's like kids who are that owl kid and they're like, we've mm. removed all the glass, but he won't stop bleeding. Like right. just all these little it's horrible fucking things. Yeah. Yeah, it's real it's real bad, man. Yeah. It's real. And it is like, yeah, yeah. it's 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 because there is fantasy elements, everything that's real he makes ultra real yeah. to sort of counterbalance those two yeah. components of yeah. the movie. I, he's the best at doing it. Like, yeah. He's fucking Oh, he's too powerful. It's traumatizing. He's too powerful. Yeah, he's too powerful. yeah. Jesus Christ. If Hollywood ever learn how to market his films properly, he'll take over <laughs> the whole world. Hey, just one more thing on the fear. Yeah. What I love too is that you don't see the ghosts immediately. So you have that, what I always love when a horror film does, the build-up, the whispers about mm-hmm. it. Everyone referring to the one who sighs. The one who sighs. And it's just like every time you hear the one who sighs, you're like, fucking hell, I don't want to be here. Yeah. 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 It's a great job. Yeah. All right. Did our characters act wisely or foolishly? Tell me who's a dumbass. That fucking teacher or whoever she is who tries to like put a blanket over the oh, <laughs> Alma over the fire before it blows up. Yeah, she, get out of the building, you dipshit. Yeah, <laughs> that was very. That she was a teacher. Funny. I think she's just yeah. No, she's she was a teacher. Yeah, there's maths, science, and an English teacher. Right, and Conchita, I don't think is a teacher. She's just like help. I she's think. a helper. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, yeah, the the things on fire. She tries to throw a blanket over it. Yeah gonna explode it's, it's petrol not, it's not like a piece of wood that's on fire i'll just smother it right it's petrol that it will blow up any cans second. and cans of petrol like she knows what it is mm, she's an idiot <laughs> she's an is idiot. she trying to save the gold or something i honestly i don't think she's thinking she's just like i'll better fan out i'll put fire. it out i'll put yeah. the fire out. i must save the children yeah well get them out, get them out of there yeah you're gonna get fly in a minute from there if yeah possible, yeah yeah Otherwise, everyone else, very clever. Yeah. yeah, like I think the only other dumbest thing they do is that when um, Jacinto is revealed to be the villain that he is, like you do just like, oh, just kill him now. He's yeah, the doctor. Trouble. Just shoot him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he even says later, I should have shot him when I had yeah. a chance. Yeah, and yeah. it is, it is fr- like they literally like, and they don't make it, they don't watch him like walk miles and miles away. 
they obviously he leaves and they cl- kind of close the door and you're like yeah he's going around the back yeah honestly. and steal the petrol which he does and cut the line for the car which he does like that's he's yeah. still on the property still that's when the doctor needs to go up in his high chair with the right the, the gun and just watch him go off into the horizon yeah exactly yeah. but even they should know that he's just going to come back yeah he, he's got the taste point, for though, gold yeah. yeah i think at that point though they're they're stressed about the army coming right, and, and having to raided leave. and having yeah. to leave so yeah yeah, like, oh, like this is this is us nitpicking, really, because yeah. mostly, obviously, especially the kids, do a very, very good job of you know utilizing literally Santo. Obviously, like we said, Carlos is so smart to not only like empathetic and be like, oh, how can I help the ghost, but then realize that it's an ally, and if we can get Jacinto to him, um, but then breaking out of that cell that they're put into is a great scene. Like yep. again, we're seeing them make a plan. We're seeing them tool up. It's everything we always want from horror movies mm, yep. when people just rush into it and like avoid those crucial steps of like, yeah, get a plan first and mm. get some weapons. Yeah. And these kids are just like, all right, that seems like the obvious yeah. thing to do. I loved that so Love much. to see it. Love to see <sighs> it. It's everything we've wanted. Yeah. Kids pulling glass out of the broken thing. Yeah. Brilliant. Is even when like the kid's climbing through the window and you're like, oh, there's a big wicked piece of broken glass that he's going to cut himself on it. No, nah, I'll stop you. I'll pull that out. All right, yeah. keep going. Like, Brilliant. it's great. Again, they learn how to take down a woolly mammoth. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then, yeah, that scene, obviously, in particular, where not only did they lead him down there, but he thinks he's got them cornered even with their little sticks that he gives a laugh at, only yeah. for um, Jamie to come running off to the side. And we didn't even know he was there, mm. stabbing in the armpit of all places. Oh, which is. Yeah, it's bad. And then when, when you he reaches see that, for the gun, it's like, ah, uh, it's no. so gross. Yeah. Full of holes. Yeah. Full of holes, man. Just, oh, it's just. Mm. But again, they've put the thought into it. it. They've acted wisely. Big time. Yeah. But even like, again, all these characters acting wisely, but being like always choosing the, that kind of. Bro- you were saying there's heaps of heroes in this day, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the headmistress is a hero when she finally says that to him and goes, get fucked. Like, yeah. you're not having the gold. The doctor has so many big damn hero moments. Yeah. But even Conchita, when she's like, I'm not afraid of you. Yeah. She yeah. knows that she's probably going to die out here. Right. She says to him, you're an animal. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going back with you. Like, yeah. you're a piece of shit. And he doesn't want to kill her. Mm. So it's like, well, no, if you if you want to be the big fucking top dog, then be the fucking big top dog. Yeah. 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 You're, a, you're a prince without a kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. All right, how would we do in this situation? Oh, terrible, I think. I think pretty badly. So I guess we're the orphans. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not prepared to listen to a ghost. Yeah, I'm too scared no. of the one who sighs. And like even like having to go like when when um Carlos is filling up the water and he hears the sighing and he kind of sees the, the footsteps and like yeah. all those horror things where you like run in the opposite direction, that's what we would be doing. Yeah. We'd be running in the opposite direction. I wouldn't even go get the water. No. no I'd be no. like, I don't get the fucking water. You can bash the shit out of me. Yeah, right. I'm not doing it. We're getting bashed and then we get blown up because yeah. we haven't sided. We haven't listened to the ghost. We haven't heeded any of the warnings. No. Yeah. We just die. Yeah. So like, yeah, we're not, um, we're, we're not, we're, we're we're not bash- the heroes that Carlos and Doctor is. No, we are. We're cowards. Yeah. That's, that's the C yeah. word that we are. <laughs> cowards. <laughs> You can be two words. <laughs> Cunty cowards. <laughs> I'd be too scared to ever spend enough time around a ghost to realise they're benevolent. Like, yeah, and like we said, this one in particular yeah. looks horrible. Yeah. Even just like a normal looking ghost. I'd be yeah. like, nah, can't do it. Can't, can't be dealing can't with this. Can't do it. Yeah. So yeah, one like that with the fucking blood floating out of his head. Yeah. Because he's also nah. saying many of you will die. Yeah, I'm like, well, you're not benevolent. Oh, you're yeah. no fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a kid. I'd be too too dumb to realize that there could be a double meaning to that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we. Uh, I think we did. We did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. Sean, yeah. do want to remind you that I think first episode. Uh, I can't year, recall that, Tom. Uh, I think there may be an audio clip where no. you specifically Ooh. can't. Like I, I think I don't recall. I believe you said quote me on that. I don't yeah. recall. I think I there do is, not recall. I think there is recorded evidence of you saying we're not going to die this year. Well, <laughs> other than the Muppets movie. <laughs> Sorry, other than the Muppets movie. It's the only time we're going to die. And um, I think I think now have a way to survive. Uh, can't. So, do you want to retract that statement? Or do I you think, no. This is this it. We're not going to die again. I think this is probably the only time. You can quote me on this. This is the only time, <laughs> only other time in the season that we would die. Yeah. All right. I'll quote, I'll quote you on that. That's what I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put that on your tombstone when you die later on. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, I look, I stand by it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stand by my original quote. I didn't even need to qualify it with another one just then. Prove, just- prove that we're dead. <laughs> All right, Sean, how do we survive? Ah, I can't. Make friends with the ghost? I think we climb on the, the bomb that's lodged in the ground. We somehow ignite it and fly away on the bomb. <laughs> Is that how bombs work? No. I think Damn. we ignite a bomb. But I don't, you're thinking of a spaceship. It's funny that even though they'd said it's been decommissioned, the whole movie, I'm like, is it going to blow up? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, thought, I thought for sure that was how this movie actually finished, yeah. is the blowing up the orphanage. Big move to not do anything with it. Yeah. It's such a great... Oh, I just love, it's, so, it's basically the centre of the set. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so it's in the background or it's in like it's in a lot of the shots mm. i don't know what it is about it it's such a great design feature uh, yeah it's the it's literally like the tilt of it the fact that it's got those um ribbons on it ribbons hanging off it there's yeah. a few pot plants at the bottom like they've just accepted it oh we might as well make it a feature yeah that they, that they keep calling the bomb a woman yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you have to ask her meaning the woman in the bomb and oh, you're like, you're hey, you know on what it. you know what carlos has a comic I like comics. I befriend him. He saves the day anyway. Sean. Because he's brave. We're ca- Sean. No, no, no. Carlos can exist. No, Let's not. No, no, we, no. We can't Let's do not get rid how of him. we do and keep the hero of the fucking <laughs> Oh, I think, I'm, I think we get to play it once a year. <laughs> play it now. We live forever. Thanks, Carlos. We've done it. Carlos, you jet. This feels like cheating. Oh, well. Another C word. Cheating we're, 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 we're Cheating cowards. <laughs> Well, that is all the scary talk we have for this episode. I've been Damien. I've been Sean. I've been Tom. And if you scary listeners would like to contact us, say hello, to suggest some movies to watch, you can do so by emailing us at threescaredboys at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at scaredyboys or individually. I'm at Midday Pajamas. I'm at Carney from 55. I'm at Awkward Trade. Stay scared, everyone. This just in, how good are movies?